Chuck. Chuck, you there? Can you hear me? I hear you, but I don't see you. At least not yet. <clears throat> you want the you want the video? Hold on a second. Let me turn this let me turn this video on. See if I can uh, get. That. I don't think I brought my stand for the video portion. Uh, let's see here. Get this here. One second, Chuck. Chuck. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I'm having technical problems today myself. For some reason, I'm, I don't know. There are bugs in the system. It's the camera's not the, the thing isn't recording properly. But I'm good now. Uh, all right. Well, you look good. You ready to go? Ready to go, buddy. Good. To, good to reconnect with you. Just, uh, I've got this recording as well, and I know you're recording it. Um, Thank you, because I may not be able to, I'm trying to turn the recording on now, and it's not uh, not functioning as well as it should, so if you're recording it, that's good. So, so send, yeah. Send me the MP4 then when you're done, and I'll post it up on YouTube. You got it. But in the meantime, let me just see if I can get this. Boy, it's weird. I keep clicking it, and it isn't going on. It's happened all day. It happened yesterday, too. I've been doing a lot of this. I mean, obviously, we have a little time on our hands right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 let, me, let me tell you something. Uh, yes. It's been a couple of years, I think, since I had had you on my program. Uh, and one of the reasons that I was late here to the interview and discussion conversation with you that we had scheduled for the 405 mark um, is that I've actually had issues. So I've been out of studio. This is a different studio from where I began the uh, program initially. Um, and I've been working on a remote setup that's caused some issues for me. But as you can see, I'm now in a, um, in a different setup. So I've actually, this is actually the, of the, uh, the three, well, let's see, the four, this is the fourth year now, so three complete years moving into the fourth year. This is the fourth year of doing Discussions of Truth. Um, in that time, this is now the third setup that I've had to go through. So far, Chuck, I haven't had issues with any... Well, that's not entirely true. I didn't complete that sentence, but SoundCloud uh, had started deleting some of the episodes that I was doing. Um, but I haven't had any issues with any other uh, podcast or uh, re-listening uh, formats or any social media uh, outlets uh, of yet. Well, and of course, well, that's good. That's lucky you. I mean, I've had a few strikes on YouTube for because I interviewed E. Michael Jones a couple of times. And okay. Apparently, he's he's like hot property for for YouTube. But other than that, I've been good. I mean, right now, for some reason today, I'm not able to get Skype functioning so i'm gonna just have to go with this now um ian do you have the, the tape running right now yep all right then why don't we just i'll assume it's happening and we'll just do it okay charles moskowitz here my guest is ian hamilton trot here he is a radio talk show host he's an actor he's in miami he's an author you have a book here ian 
um, called uh, Freedom Reserved No More Lies, available, I assume, at Amazon and, and elsewhere. And uh, I've been following you now for a couple of years. I've been getting your SoundCloud, and you're doing some really amazing and cutting-edge interviews. Uh, and you seem to travel in some of the same circles that I travel in, in terms of discussing alternative history and alternative politics, not the conventional stuff that the mainstream media allows us to do. And so that's why I want to have you on today, because I'd like to hear your take on what the hell is going on right now mm -hmm. with uh, the fact that we're literally living in a condition of medical martial law, basically. Yeah. Uh, very well said, Chuck. Um, look, uh, I began down this path in 2016 uh, after being exposed to the uh, nailed pesticide that was being used to combat the Zika virus in Miami Beach. Literally, I'd hear crop dusters buzzing over my head at 5 a.m. on Saturday mornings. This happened um, probably four or five consecutive weekends, um, and it was a toxic smell that was left. Um, the crop dusters were taking off from the Tamiani Airport, which is a private airport, uh, it's uh, south and southwest of, uh, of downtown Miami, um, and uh, I had befriended uh, Chuck, a uh, a lawyer, former JAG lawyer, and I said, "Hey, you know, we've we've got to uh, somehow do uh, educate the pilots of what they are spraying. This is this was a pesticide that was." Uh, banned in Europe because it was a and is a known neurotoxin, um, and uh, the Puerto Rican government had rejected a shipment of it uh, into uh, uh, by the uh, World Health Organization. They they rejected it. The controversy is, of course, as I said, uh, that it has been deemed a neurotoxin in Europe, uh, illegal to use in agriculture. Uh, it was it was set up and engineered by the Chevron Chemical Corporation in the 1950s. It's currently manufactured, at least in the states, in LA. That's Los Angeles by Vanguard Chemical Corporation. I'm assuming on some type of a lease agreement from the Chevron Chemical Corporation. Of course, uh, as listeners may not know, um, the Rockefeller Foundation. Uh, was set up the same year that the Federal Reserve Act passed in 1913 under Woodrow Wilson. Where's the link? Well, when J.D. Rockefeller and his company had been brought up on antitrust uh, issues uh, through the U.S. government, that main standard oil company had been broken up into, I believe, seven different companies. And the the, the, the main issue here that the public doesn't realize is that uh, 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 Rockefeller and his foundation remained the majority shareholders of all seven of those different companies. So he, the, the, the U.S. government didn't break up anything. Uh, they, broke, they, they broke his monopoly into seven smaller companies, but he remained the largest hand controlling all those companies. So, Let me, if I may interject here, I just want to add a little history to this also. The, the year you're talking about, 1913, was a very pivotal year. I mean, uh, the election of Wilson on a three-way ticket, um, 
it implemented all sorts of things, including the Federal Reserve Act, which he signed on Christmas Eve. But um, the, uh, the 16th Amendment, which is the tax amendment, yeah. was also implemented that year. And one of the elements of that amendment, which people don't realize, or at least one of the directives that's associated with it, is that it allowed for the setting up of, as you say, foundations and nonprofits that were places where the big bankers and the big corporate heads could park their money tax-free, and then they would use that money to hire people that they were friends with, to influence people, you know, to put people on payrolls, but also to influence the society in a way that they wanted to influence it. Yep. You know, a lot of it was so-called progressive ideas. They had the money then sheltered, and that they could then use that money in these enormous foundations. And it's it's just a huge subject that uh, is an ele is another sinister element to this to several events that happened that year. And yeah, I think you're getting to that Ian. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate to use the word sinister, but that's unfortunately what um, a central bank ends up being to any type of. Um, society that aims to be free and just, um, it takes away those freedoms and justices, just like you're saying, because it then controls um, the justice and freedoms. And, and, and what makes uh, a, a, a society free are the main cogs and cornerstone elements of the U.S. Uh, Constitution uh, being, and I'm not a lawyer, of course, but being um, freedom of press, freedom of speech, and even freedom of religion, for instance, those three items are incredibly important to any uh, society that aims to be able to think for themselves and act for themselves. That's completely been taken away in so many different ways because of the implementation of this central bank in 1913. Where I was going with this, Chuck, and I like how you brought up the 16th Amendment because um, from what I've researched, various scholars tend to think that that might even be illegal. Certainly, this, the, the Federal Reserve, a central bank, is illegal per how the Constitution was, was written because the founding fathers of the United States uh, that represented the Constitution and not the government because there is a divide there along, along the, the timeline. And those two team, those two things became uh, independent from one another. But the Constitution is supposed to represent the people. The government is supposed to rent the, uh, re represent the people. What happened, of course, is and something else that uh, struck me uh, recently, Chuck. And I'll get to my main my main point here, where I'm driving this um, to go to your um, uh, to get to your initial kind of question of what's happening in my understanding of what's happening today and I'll, and I'll be getting to that but it's important for listeners to understand that they must follow the money trail everything goes back to money right I mean that's how we feed ourselves that's how we pay our rent that's the society we've created for ourselves so following the money trail is tantamount to understanding what's happening here um, George Washington, for instance, uh, he owned shares. And this is uh, on my Instagram account. I've got this uh, posted. This is a former Harvard professor that, that, that wrote about this. George Washington. This isn't something that, <clears throat> excuse me, this isn't something that has become a problem for the United States. The money problem has been an issue throughout the entire history of this country in so much that Andrew Jackson, and this is all repetitive, I'm sure, for what you know, and 
most likely for your listeners, but Andrew Jackson is the only president to leave office with a surplus, with the nation in a surplus, all the other presidents. And certainly it's been exacerbated since Bush uh, Jr. and Obama and, and, and now Trump. Uh, we're really into a, an area now where it's becoming a point of no return. Americans must understand what's happening and they must act now. But George Washington owned shares in the Bank of England uh, during the American Revolution. So one might ask, what's George Washington doing owning shares in the Bank of England during, uh, during a war with that enemy? Well, the Bank of England does not represent the people of England. The Bank of England is a bank inside the Corporation of London, insomuch that William the Conqueror uh, was unable to, uh, he was unable to conquer this Roman mechanism. I had on Ronan Palin, uh, uh, who co-wrote a book he teaches at the uh, city, uh, the, uh, it's a University of uh, London, and, uh, uh, and, and, and he wrote a recent book called Sabotage. Uh, he, he talked about this a little bit. He says, he says look, it's a, the Corporation of London, otherwise known as the City of London, and, and of course, he joined the program from London, uh, he's, he's, he's actually Jewish by heritage. It has nothing to do with that. What we're looking at is banking. We're not looking at religions. We're looking at banking and how banks uh, manipulate governments. So he says, he says, Ian, it's a, it's a Roman institution. And yes, it predated William the Conqueror in 1066. And even today in 2020, it remains that Roman mechanism. It doesn't represent even... The monarchy of England, it doesn't represent the queen. The queen reports to it. It doesn't represent the people of England. It's not a British or English institution. So, so understanding that then is key to understanding the Federal Reserve. And you have to, one must look at the links between the Federal Reserve, again, that we're talking about in 1913, that passed under Woodrow Wilson, that he later lamented. He literally said that it, he had, he had uh, unwittingly destroyed his own country by allowing that to pass. It gave all of the economic, basically, not all of it, because if you follow the timeline in history, you've got Nixon officially um, letting the gold standard go in the U.S. You've basically got various reports through Peter uh, uh, Beter, Dr. Peter Beter, who JFK had appointed uh, his direct counselor, I think, over Import-Export Bank of the U.S. He reports of basically gold heists being taken, the gold being extracted from Fort Knox. Where is that? I went into the power of the IMA. Where is that gold? London, it's Switzerland. It's also here briefly, um, I wrote a book on the topic, The Art and Science of American Money, and what I discovered is that from the very founding of the Republic and even before, during yeah. the colonial times, there's been a struggle between the idea of the central bank, which is a private institution, as you say, and public money. And uh, Jefferson, Madison, Jackson, they all were very much in favor of public money, money that is issued by the, the Treasury. Uh, at the order of Congress, it is interest-free, it is fiat, it, it is fiat, they worked it to the gold standard, although they wanted the coinage of gold and silver. But the point is that it didn't, it, it, the money, a bank could make money on lending existing currency and existing capital, but nobody made money on the money itself. 
You know, right. and yeah. there was maybe a tiny drop of interest that went right to the treasury. It wasn't like this idea of a private bank literally issuing money to us, to us, the government, and charging us interest, which is what the Federal Reserve does. And, um, you know, Lincoln tried to issue greenbacks during the Civil War and did so. Rather than borrow at enormous interest rates, the usurious rates from bankers, and many say that that's why he was assassinated. And we could go through the whole history of this. I do that in my book, but the point is, I want to bring it up to today, because now you have the Federal Reserve issuing trillions of dollars in money to our government to survive this pandemic, and so the people can get some money because the American people, our entire economy, is based on debt rather than actual physical savings and, and value. So people are in debt. People can't live more than two or three weeks without having money. You know, they don't, people didn't prepare for this thing. You know, not only with money, but a lot of ways we didn't prepare. A lot of people didn't. And that's a lesson we can learn here. But here we are today. Now we have the Federal Reserve issuing more debt. And, uh, and we have this strange situation in which we have a stimulus package, which would never have happened had it not been for the pandemic. Right. And we have a, a, a complete loss of liberty. You can't go outside. Right. You have, you know, a, a, a quarantine. I mean, if you go outside, I mean, look, at there's a guy who went outside in, in Kentucky, and he was arrested by 10 officers because he didn't wear a mask. This is, you know, it's intolerable. Now, I'm not saying one should run around in a, in a pandemic. I'm not running around. I mean, I don't want to catch this disease. And it is a disease. I mean, disease is sure. a disease. However... It's a, it does seem a little too convenient that all of a sudden this thing has been sprung on this country and the world at this time. And it just, to me, there's something that stinks here. Look, and I don't yeah. know where, where you're coming from, but I want to hear what you have to say about this particular pandemic right now. Because, you know, even a month ago, this would have been unthinkable that we would have had a situation like this. Right. So... So it's important for anyone listening to this that they understand the foundation that was just laid. We just took, I just took, uh, Chuck and I just ran 20 minutes of laying that foundation. Once you understand that, once you understand that you must follow the money, then you bring it up to 2020, okay? And that's why I brought up that 1913 Rockefeller Foundation date. Because what they did at that point is that they then opened up medical institutions in Beijing. So there's there's an argument that this is a Chinese created bio warfare. Um, Zero Hedge was banned off of Twitter for publishing research they had done out of the Wuhan laboratories. I have not connected Rockefeller money to the Wuhan laboratories. What we do know is that a year ago there were military games in Wuhan and biowarfare was addressed. We also know that Bill and Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation through John Hopkins University, which back in 19, 1913, when the Rockefeller Foundation began pumping money into this uh, medical school in Beijing, it's called the Peking Union Medical College. Type that in. All this stuff is available free. It's all on search engines. Peking Union Medical College. The Rockefellers basically set that up. We know stateside. They set up the University of Chicago, which is considered one of the elite medical schools in the country. They started pumping money into the health industry. One can go to my website, iantrache.com, and there find 
the 100-year outlook on health published by the Rockefeller Foundation in 2013. These folks have so much money, and I'm not pointing fingers at the Rockefellers because they're in cahoots with central banking system out of Europe. So you then can look into um, London and the Rothschild and the Corporation of London. But again, like I mentioned, this is a Roman mechanism that's living and breathing inside of London that is now controlling the United States, and it's completely obliterated the Constitution because of it. So here you can draw two points, listeners in chalk. Here's the two points that I've recently drawn. You then listen to Bill Gates, and you think, okay, wait a second. Here's a guy that's a computer software engineer. He created Microsoft, not Macrosoft. Okay, hmm, interesting. About that same era, Steve Jobs invents a personal computer, not a macro computer. So there's something about microchisms. That's a word I just just blotted out. But there's something about the individual here. <clears throat> now, what you link that to is ID2020. And Gates has actually said publicly from every search that I've been able to make, that he would like everybody that's been diagnosed as having COVID or coronavirus, COVID-19, as being vaccinated and having a chip implanted. If you go into DARPA then and you look at some of the military uh, funding that's being pumped into um, the, 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 the cell phone technology, uh, which is, of course, being used to survey people, then you, you type in DARPA 6G and what are some of the studies being done uh, on the 6G, the coming 6G uh, system. Well, they are brain chips, actual technology where people will have a, my, a brain chip implant and they won't even realize it. So it's not even a question of... It'll be injected through the, uh, through the vaccine that Gates is talking about. And also, by the way, the Wuhan labs... That's, that's public knowledge now. I mean, I saw a link to that on the Drudge Report, which is about as establishment as you can get, where they say that after 9-11, the federal government began financing and funding money to these labs, particularly that one, which clearly was experimenting with, uh, you know, viruses, coronaviruses of all sorts, including MERS and SARS and all the rest. And, uh, you know, look, I don't know what, what happened with it and if, whether or not this was a release from that that lab, whether it was an accident or whether it was on purpose, you can't know because we're talking about a communist country here that can do almost anything they want. But it does seem to fit with an agenda of world control, of population control, of eugenics, of, of in a sense, you know, the Chinese don't give a crap if they infect half their population. I mean, in fact, they probably want to. But, and did they export it? I mean, it's, it's just, is this, are we involved now in a biological are we being assaulted by a biological weapon? I mean, is this a biological war? Oh, it's absolutely a biological war. But but again, I, I steer listeners not to point fingers at the Chinese. This is an invisible enemy, just that we saw in 2000. And Chuck, 2000 hit. I felt like joining the Marines and going over and blowing up the jihad. Okay, that was and that and that was the reaction. That was the engineered reaction. It wasn't until 2016 that I began to look at the U.S. government in an alternative view. And I'm not talking about the government that represents the Constitution. I'm talking about the government. 
the inside us, the, the, what, what we used to euphemistically call the Eastern Seaboard Liberal Establishment. These are people who, these amoral, internationalist-oriented, globalist, uh, you know, powerful people, many of whom are well-meaning, but the fact is they want to control the world uh, through, through their power, whether they, whether they want to do it for the good or for evil, I don't care. I don't want them to control me. I don't want them to control my country. I yeah. think that sovereignty rests with the individual under God, not with some group of, uh, you know, secretive elites. Yeah, no, exactly, Chuck. Let me let me throw a quote out here. Um, and and this, this book has sold over 5 million copies, to my understanding. It was written by a former Stanford alum. Uh, I believe he's now deceased. His name is Gary Allen. The quote here is this, and this answers... Yeah. That's that's correct, Charles. Yeah. So so the quote here, and this is why I steer listeners to not point fingers at the Chinese. A, communism is not a political mechanism that originated in China. Communism is not a political mechanism that originated in Russia. What? It originated in Europe with the Illuminati and with Marx. That's well, that's correct. And and there's disputes that even Karl Marx originated it. But here's what Gary Allen said about communism. And then you have to thread that into the Hegelian dialectic, which is exactly what you're talking about, Chuck. The Hegelian dialectic calls for controlling the opposites. We know that Prescott Bush, through Union Bank and J.P. Morgan, funded the Nazi regime and Hitler. We know that. He was funding both sides of the conflict. He was brought up as a war criminal. Okay. And so, so Gary Allen quotes, communism, or more accurately, socialism is not a movement of the downtrodden masses. That's what we're all led to believe. Oh, that's just a marketing campaign, of course. It's an it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a campaign run by the economic elite, and I'm and I'm saying you point fingers not at the English or the British, but you point fingers at the banking mechanism that controls them because it's the same device that's controlling us in the United States. So the Chinese run a communist platform because they've bought into it. The People's Bank of China is not a Chinese bank. It's a Western bank. That's my argument, Chuck. And again, you have to look at the money that started... I don't know, I don't know about that because I'm not on the inside. I mean, I tend to think that China is very kind of isolated and, and self-directed. I mean, obviously communism was an import from Europe and from Russia. Yeah. But, um, you, you know, they've become a, a hegemonic power. And, um, you know, uh, they, certainly you have elites in this country who are working hand-in-glove with them. Sure they do. But um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a, these things are a little speculative. But anyways, here we are today. We have this biological weapon are, you know, all yep. over the place, and, and people are dying and getting very sick, and we want to avoid it, obviously. Um, what can we do? Now, I've heard two things that I think are yeah. encouraging. The first one is the use of this uh, drug called hydrochloroquine, yep. um, mixed with z uh, an antibiotic, Zithromax, and possibly zinc, which has proven to be very successful in treating it, and which has caused outrage among the establishment. President Trump has been vilified for even bringing it up. Yeah. And I think the reasons for that are mainly, first on the surface, because it's cheap. It costs 20 bucks for a three, for a three, for a dose. And, set, and they want to make money from this thing with their vaccines, with their chips, or whether, whether chips or not. And secondly, because it actually is going to stop this virus, and it, it, they want to prolong it, because as Rahm Emanuel so famously said, you have to... Uh, 
you know, no, don't let a good crisis go to waste. I mean, right. What a better crisis for them than having us all locked down in our houses, sitting around and, you know, being, being unfree. And the second drug was just mentioned to me by a guest of mine the other night, that being uh, James Wright, who's written, who's written about Masonic conspiracy. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I believe him, but I think that he mentioned that he has HIV and that he takes a drug called PrEP, P-R-E-P, which prevents the spread of HIV among people who take it, even people who don't have it. And he says that this stops the, the coronavirus in its tracks. You can take this drug once a day. You could go out and, and, and have a coronavirus sandwich, and you're not going to catch it. Now, I'm not here to endorse that. I yeah. don't know. But I'm wondering, what are, you, what are you hearing about these things? Well, I'm hearing the same things you're hearing as well. Uh, Chuck, uh, look, when I was in Miami, the Zika virus, I, I got dreadfully sick. The Zika virus wasn't what made me sick. I went out surfing, and that's when I was exposed to the pesticide, which has a half-life that doubles once it contacts water. Um, and uh, again, that pesticide is called Nalid. Look, I've heard the same things you're hearing. A guest I had on the program three weeks ago, W. Gifford Jones, Harvard Medical School. He's now 96 years old. He scaled in Toronto a skyscraper two years ago. Very healthy guy. Incredible. Okay. Um, I asked him on my program, okay, theintrache.com, it's available there. I asked him on my program. I said, how do people, how do you suggest people fight the coronavirus as a virus, as a health problem. He swore, as a 96-year-old, he swore that high intake, if an individual has, this is coming from a Harvard Medical a graduate, 96 years old, um, he's got millions of followers. He said, he said, Ian, if someone has the coronavirus, take vitamin C intravenously, it will kill any virus. He swore to that, Chuck. He swore oh, to great. that. I mean, I, I take a ton of it. I take a pretty large dose of vitamin C every day, and also I take a natural stem cell enhancer. I do. I mean, we all. We, we, it's a good idea to develop your own uh, regimen of, uh, yeah. of supplements. Anyway, you know that could are specific that's to right. your condition. And no, that's great advice. I mean, I think it was Linus Pauling who was taking what was it like a hundred thousand milligrams a day of vitamin C. And he was also, I think, a Harvard uh, researcher, and uh, he won, he won a, a, a Nobel Prize. So, no, that's great advice. Yeah, and uh, his his I'm daughter... Sorry to, I'm sorry to say this, but I'm kind yep. of running a little bit out of time That's here. fine. Yep. Um, but you know, I can see that you and I are soulmates, and I want to have you back. Thank you, Chuck. Anytime. You let me know when. Yeah, we could do some great broadcasting together. Now, please mention to my listeners and viewers, because I am getting this today, where they can get your book, where they can learn about your program, anything else you want to mention. Thanks, Chuck. Really appreciate it. Um, by the way, just one before I answer that, Diana Gifford, she's got a degree from JFK at Harvard, uh, the School of Government. No Nonsense Health is his co-author on that recent book. Freedom Reserved, No More Lies. Uh, comes out next week. It's available on Amazon. It's available pre-order on Barnes & Noble's. Uh, or Bonds and Noble. It's available at, in Canada on chapters in the UK, Denmark, Australia, you name it. 
Uh, it comes out next Thursday, my understanding. It's published by Trine Day. Um, and I like that. Thank you. And it goes. Chris Milligan, good guy. Mm-hmm. And it goes into uh, Chuck. It goes into basically what started me on what I'm doing right now, which is this weekly show every Wednesday, 5 p.m. I'll be folding into my own hour here, um, where I'm scheduled to have Gerald Posner. Simon Schuster may have to uh, reschedule him. Um, J.P. Lindstraw, who's got a, um, a, a PhD from Oxford, former um, uh, uh, Fulbright scholar to Brazil. He, he'll be joining me at the six o'clock hour. So that book basically gets into some of the nitty gritty of what got me going. Um, they can listeners can follow me on Instagram, f- follow me on Twitter. That's I A N T R O T T I E R. And what I most encourage, Chuck, what I most con- incur- encourage is that people go to my website, I A N T R O T T I E R dot com. Click on the articles tabs, and under that is a compilation of three to four years worth of free. These are accessible free on the internet. Most of them downloadable PDF. Anthony Sutton, Stanford Hoover, his books, and go there as a resource to dig up some of these different th- different things that you and I have been discussing over this past hour. Yes. Did you have a chance to interview the late Anthony Sutton? No. Uh, I think no, uh, Sutton... Really, really amazing books. The, uh, the American Secret Establishment and the, the Bolsheviks and Wall Street and the Nazis and Wall Street. Great yeah. stuff. Anyway, Ian, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Great talking to you. And uh, let's stay in touch. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Chuck. All right. Thank you.